Hello, 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 and welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of the Pixelated Sausage Show. Hi, 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 how are y'all doing? You may notice that the camera angle is not exactly different. It's, it's how it used to be. We're back to the old shot, though I thought, what if... Because I, I don't like looking directly at the camera and having the full frame and all that. And I kind of miss the the charm of all of this nonsense going on in this particular scene with Van Damme over there doing his little dance. The cat waving to you the whole time. You've got little Contra Dude on the bottom of the TV. Can you find him? Can you spot him? you got all the hidden stuff in the background. And I think it goes well with the Unatco theme playing quietly in the background. And I thought, well, what if I try and combine the two? Where I go back to this old scene, but I look at the camera from a side perspective much more frequently. So we're going to try that out. Because I think this will be more comfortable for me. And it'll still give some of that, hey, I'm talking to you and not just, I'm talking to, I'm talking to you who's not you, but is someone. So I'm talking to you and not talking to you. But I'm, I'm talking to you too. Not you too, because I don't, I don't fuck with you too. Bono. Nano. I don't know what that means. But I am, of course, your host, Mark Krishnez, and I've got some games to talk about, including, let's get that list. Welcome to Paradise, Small Ants, Survive the Wilds, Played Up, Wrath, Aeon of Ruin, and Dead End City. But before I get to all that, I'm going to talk about Bellatro. I have not played it, but I've heard a lot of people talk about it on various podcasts. And it got me thinking, and it's something that I have talked about in the past and I still struggle with and I try to do my best, but it's hard. And I'm not saying this as a way to throw any shade at any other podcaster. Because I think it's something that the majority have a problem with, if not most all. And the 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 ones who got it right or did it such a, a great job with this are gone, like Idle Thumbs and GFW. But the issue I'm talking about is podcasters talking about games in a way that don't really give you a great idea of what the game is. So many people have talked about Blotro and how amazing it is, but none have given me any real idea of what the game is other than it's poker, but a roguelike. Okay. But how's it structured? What does an actual run consist of? What am I doing other than making hands and all that? And it wasn't until... I poised this question in my Discord and had one of the people there talk about this and give me a nice quick little rundown that I had a 
general idea of what the game is. And that was much appreciated because I don't need to know about the poker mechanics of the game. I, I'm someone who loves poker. I love card games, but I love, love, love poker. If I had a local group of friends to play actual poker with in person, I would. I have one of those chip sets on the, the spinning things. It's, it's a pretty nice one I picked up at some, what do you call them? Not a pawn shop. A old thing store. <laughs> an antique shop, kind of. But it's not really an antique. But it's nice. It's a nice wooden one with high quality chips. But I don't get to use it. But I love poker. And I was thinking earlier today, I'm recording this on Wednesday, the 28th. Guys, the 28th, yeah. Leave here, so with we still got one more day of February left. But I was thinking about all the times I've heard people talk about the game and them trying to explain how poker works into it or what exactly you're doing in terms of the poker side of things. And I realize, and I, I, I may not be wrong, but you may disagree with this, assessment this thought and that's fine but as i was thinking about that particular part of all of the discourse and realized to me at least stuff like that you don't need to spend time trying to explain that to potential interested parties you don't need to explain poker and and to that point, more importantly, when talking about the game and the terminology uses and, and using poker terminology for more generalized terms like around being a hand or, or stuff of that nature, instead of calling it a hand, just call it around. Call it something that is more uniformly understood. Because the game can explain and let the potential interested player learn what the poker terminology translates to. The game will tell them that a round or a hand is the same as a round and so on and so forth. You don't need to explain poker to them because that's that's not important. That's That's on the game to do. What you should be doing is explaining more so how the game is structured and what you're actually doing and not the specifics, the nitty gritty of the, the, ah, it's, 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 it's complicated and, and trying to process my thoughts since it's such a fresh thing is not the best, but it's just a constant reminder that I think we can all do better podcasters, people in general, when we're talking to friends about games, I think we can all do better and we should all be striving to do better all the time at explaining our thoughts because I know that I have trouble trying to make sense of what the hell's going on up in here. And I, I know I'm not the only one. So that's all I really wanted to say about it is that 
I don't know if other people have felt the same where you hear everyone talking about Bellatro and how great it is, but through all of that, you don't really understand why. It's just, hey, it's poker and it's a roguelike and it's a lot of fun. I, I like it a lot. Okay, cool. I love poker too and I love roguelikes. I'm sure I would like it, but nothing about what you said has made me feel that. Just the sheer fact that I like these two parts of it makes me assume that I would like it. So that's all I want to say about that. And then the other big news, or I mean, Bellatro stuff wasn't news, but the big news since the last episode would uh, assume be the 900, I don't know if it's 900 exact, 900 roughly people who have lost their jobs at Sony, at PlayStation, including the entire closure of London Studio, which I thought was the original studio that made The Getaway, but I didn't see it in the Wikipedia. Only Black Monday, which is the sequel, which was okay, but not as special. It, it may technically be better than The Getaway, but it was... It wasn't as fresh. The Getaway was this game at the time. You go back to it now. If you, if you didn't grow up with it, you probably look at it and think, oh, this is fine. But at the time, it looked photorealistic. It looked incredible. And I know it's become now just really the butt of, not even the butt of a joke, but just the only thing people talk about or remember about it is the whole way you heal in the game which is to lean up against a wall and if you've got some blood spots on you you'll lean against it and you'll just go <sighs> and you'll see the blood spots gradually disappear and then you'll be good to go but it was a beautiful game that came out <sighs> I don't know if it was just before just after I visited my brother mm -hmm who lived in London at the time. So it was special in that sense too, getting to visit this photorealistic recreation of a city I had just visited myself. But it had a great story. It was just a, a really solid game that I had a lot of fun with. It, it, it's not the same as... It was much more narrative-driven than a Grand Theft Auto. There weren't much of anything to do free roaming you could free roam just to casually drive around the city and do stuff but you couldn't go after collectibles or do little side missions or anything like that so it was a story driven open world game that once you got through the story you were pretty much done with it but they close and they they've been predominantly working on vr games I believe now in some of the Let's Sing or something along those uh, along those lines. So that's sad. I think there were rumors that the potential studios up for closure were London and Maria, not Maria Miracle, <laughs> Media Mo Molecule, makers of Little Big Planet and Dreams. But nothing about that them closing so far at least but it's just a reminder of how this year is very very bad and it almost feels like at this point studios because 
you have the rumors that seem to be pretty true at this point that the Switch 2 is going to be coming out next year now in 2025. All of the big first-party known property PlayStation games, none this year, all next year and, and forward. It seems like this year is just going to be the dumping year where no one has any games to release. Let's just dump all our bad news, all our layoffs. Let's get all the bad out of the way this year. And then 2025 is going to be insane with Grand Theft Auto 6, Switch 2, and assumedly a new 3D Mario. Whatever PlayStation has to release, which you would assume is... Well, Death Stranding 2 is for sure, I believe, 2025. And it would be surprising if that was delayed. But we... I would have to assume that Ghost of Tsushima 2 is next year. And then maybe something else. Probably something else. I know there are some people thinking that we might get a Astrobot game this year. But it's looking like 2025 is going to be an insane year to rival last year in terms of game releases and hard releases and probably exceed it potentially especially if we get a new mario and finally metroid prime 4 and maybe a zelda remake or those re it, it, it could be insane and who who knows on the xbox side i don't really know what we can expect from them if Fable, maybe, but we haven't seen anything. Maybe at Summer Games Fest, they'll show a lot more and it'll look, it'll be much further along. But I, I don't know what in their lineup feels like it's close, but not for this year. Perfect Dark. Is that game ever coming out? I don't really care about it because I don't care about Perfect Dark, but we shall see. Well, that's enough about the news. Let's get on to what I've been playing, starting with Welcome to Paradise. This is from the makers of How to Survive, which I was immediately... It immediately came to mind when I started playing the game. This is an isometric, sort of in the vein of Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance and Champions of Norath, Hunter the Reckoning, closer up than a Diablo, a Diablo, a Diablo. Set in a post-apocalyptic zombie world, like so many games. And I was not feeling it early on, but it was a game that grew on me more and more the more and more I played. Because it has that Eurojank RPG charm to it, where it's very rough around the edges, but it's ambitious and while it is rough around the edges in terms of the visuals the characters who are the most grading of the whole game writing voice acting the gameplay to a certain extent there's something you have to you don't have to but if you're someone who who, who finds stuff like that charming there's something to appreciate and find endearing about shooting for so much when uh, going after something that is clearly outside of your means, which is what a lot of the Eurojank RPGs do. 
and those are games like Gothic and, and every other RPG that studio has made. I believe they're the studio behind the Risen games. And then there's something with an E that is more of a sci-fi thing. Two Worlds is a very good example of a Eurojank RPG. There are these games that are trying to do a lot. And they're rough, but they're not fundamentally broken. They they may be broken in kind of fun ways, but not in game-breaking ways. Nothing that impedes your progress or ability to, to keep playing. But stuff that is just kind of funny, maybe sometimes frustrating. But in Welcome to Paradise, you're in this world where zombies have taken over, of course. But there's this place called Paradise that you want to go and, and find refuge at. And they've come up with this Zombot system where you can put a helmet on a zombie and then it'll become a kind of pet companion that will follow you around and do things for you, like heal you, attack other zombies. It can collect resources. And there are, there are a lot of various toggles and there's advanced mode that allows you to really get into the nitty gritty of what percentage of the time will they spend doing this action or that action and 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 what will they do when outside of combat or inside of combat and it's 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 once that system really comes into play and you start to utilize it that the game opens up and you see the uniqueness of it and how it's adding its own little flavor to a very overcrowded entire genre that is the zombie blah 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 game there's so many games set in zombie apocalypses and apocalypses that if you're not doing something to stand out then what's 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 the point of playing you know, unless you play very well and this doesn't play super well the shooting mechanic because it, it works like a twin stick shooter where you move your your you aim with the right analog stick whether using a melee weapon or a weapon a ranged weapon and then attack with the right bumper and the right trigger you can't just attack without aiming when using a melee weapon and you'll just hit someone in the direction you're facing but when using a ranged weapon, it locks onto an enemy, and then if you hold it, it'll close in on them and, and make your, your shot more accurate, depending on what weapon you're using, and so on and so forth. And that feels pretty good. There's a nice weight to the ranged combat. It's not super fast, as you would expect, because you're using these makeshift weapons, these pellet guns and stuff of that nature bows and arrows that you craft. But the, the real charm of the game, and, and you're in this open-ish world where you're going around collecting resources, repairing parts of the world, building bridges. <laughs> I don't know why building bridges to me sounds so funny and silly, but it does. And crafting your own home base. The, the, the real charm of it is, is the Zombot system because you can have a lot of fun with this and the Zombot 
proves to be very early on. I didn't find it super challenging. I don't know if it gets more difficult. I don't remember checking uh, or, or setting any kind of difficulty. It does have a drop-in co-op locally, and you can play online, which I haven't engaged with either of those, so I can't comment on how that may or may not be buggy or have any issues with it. But what I love about the Zombot system is how thought out it is and how fun the enemy zombies are. You will have zombies. The, the game knows it's silly and has fun with it. You have zombies who are playing trombones to call in zombie reinforcements who are really annoying, but they're fun to deal with. You have zombies who have these kind of propellers on their back and they can attach to you and zip to you real fast and do some damage to you, which is a unique kind of design. You have ones that are covered in kind of pillows for added armor or spikes for armor if you get too close and, and attack them with melee. Ones that have bullseyes on them to draw the attention. And you can also find saddles, which is super fun because you can take all of these things that you collect off of zombies you kill and put them on your zombot. And there's a, a, a giant skill tree for combat, survival, and I, I think I don't think the Zombot is its own thing, but a part of the, the first tree. But it, if you put a, a saddle on a Zombot, you can ride them. Because I, when I was looking through the skill tree, I saw that there was something for doing more damage when mounted. And I thought, oh, there, there are animals in this game, and I'm going to get to ride a horse. That's kind of cool, I guess. But I was wrong. You get to put a saddle on your Zombot if you want, if you don't want to put protection on them or anything of that, anything like that. And they can ride them around, sort of like a, they're giving you a piggyback ride, and it's hilarious. It's, it's, it's a game that grows on you more and more as you play it because it's super silly, mechanically sound, and a lot of it is streamlined in a way to make all of the various systems in it easy. Crafting is super easy. You have your resources, you just go into the crafting menu. What do you want? Do you have the resources? Okay, make it. Do you want to make 50 of this thing? Do you want to make 100 or however many you can make? Just scroll, just move the scroll however, however far away and make it all at once. You don't have to wait for it to do it one at a time. You want to build some structures? Okay, do you have the resources? Click it. Place it wherever you want, rotate it, okay, you're done. It's, it's very, very accessible. The leveling is, at least early on, pretty frequent, so it feels like you're always getting something. There's, there's always a little dopamine hit in those first few hours, at least. So I'm surprised by how much I'm liking it. At first, again, I, I was a little... I don't know about this. And as I played more and more, I was like, man, I kind of just want to keep playing this. And I wish I had someone to play with. So that is Welcome to Paradise. And it's Paradise with a Z, not an S. A capital Z, for that matter. Yeah. Check that out.
it's a good time. It's a surprisingly good time. Next up, though, is Small Land Survive the Wild. This is another survival game where, and that's another thing about just to, to go back to Welcome to Paradise. The survival stuff, worrying about your well-being, not super, not, not, not a, I don't even know if there was anything related to sleep or stuff of that nature, just your health. And if you have your Zombot set up to heal you outside of combat, they do a pretty good job. And even when I was getting over it, that, that would be my one thing about the game is that it seemed ridiculously easy. So I'm curious if that'll increase at some point. But Small Land is a survival game that is much more tradi uh, traditional in its structure with the main pull to suck you in potentially it is it thematically, which is very similar to Grounded, except instead of Grounded, which was survive, uh, a survival game, but Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, this is a survival game, but Fern Gully. If you don't know what Fern Gully is, as a movie where a construction worker gets shrunken down and then has to help the little fairies stop from them doing stuff with the oil or whatever voiced by Tim Kerr. I don't, it's been a while since I saw it, but it was the movie other than not Field of Dreams, but Dancing with the Wolves where people would just say about Avatar, hey, that's just, that's just Dancing with Wolves with aliens or with, with fucking weirdo creatures or it's just Fern Gully, but they're, they're big. You don't play a human who's been shrunken down, but just one of the fairy creatures, a new young recruit. Who crash lands or, or, or something of that nature? Because you, 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 with your superior, are, are you were attacked by I think a, a wasp, and they're injured, and then you have to go around and survive. You have to worry about your comfort, your nourishment, and your health. The you don't have to worry about water specifically and they just find food to fill nourishment which will also heal you gradually over time or use bandages I was really excited about this game because thematically I love the idea because I really liked Fern Gully as a kid and I like the whole idea of being in our world but as a very small creature so that things that are tiny to us as humans are large and imposing and scary and, and cool and, and all of that. So you will be seeing ladybugs, bees, grasshoppers, ants, frogs, and, and a lot of wildlife in a game that environmentally looks pretty all right. There's this kind of greasy, blurry sheen to it that I'm not super fond of. But overall, the, the world itself looks pretty good and better than I was expecting after seeing some screenshots that made them seem a bit disconnected. But one of the issues with the game from a visual standpoint is the animation, which is not super fluid and is very... It, it, it takes me out of the experience a lot of the time when I'm seeing a frog hop with what looks like 
five frames of animation and then clip through lily pads and the water and and at times is it looks like it's just standing on water and it, it it's hard to get fully not engaged or invest but to to get immersed in, in the game when you see a lot of stuff like this or the the flying bugs that are just kind of moving around in ways that aren't super fluid but it's not a huge problem the the survival mechanics having to worry about nourishment are not super imposing you you have plenty of time to deal with all that stuff but the game is in a similar way to welcome to paradise really rough around the edges but it lacks the charm the story I don't really care about and because it is just our world and you're small in it there's nothing super special about it there were times where I would attack a bug that wasn't super aggressive and they would just stand there and take it they wouldn't move they wouldn't try to run away they wouldn't attack and that that seemed like a bug that this bug wasn't bugging around as I was bugging it with my bat that I made out of a bug leg. That's not true. Not the bug leg part. It was just it was just made out of a stick. But it, it, it's a little glitchy. And I, I just, I wasn't feeling it. I, I wasn't into it. It's, again, it, not that hard. It, it, it was pretty accessible and, and not super imposing, though. There were times where fucking I would have an ant become aggressive and just fucking follow me forever. And I just want to leave me alone because when you die, you lose all your equipment except anything you, ha- you were wearing or had equipped in your hand. You lose your entire inventory other than that. But if you find where you died and collect your tombstone, you'll get all the stuff back. But you have to, when you do that, you have to, or it'll it'll transfer you to an inventory slot where you can choose to take everything or just take a few things, which is a little annoying because the game doesn't pause then. So if an enemy is chasing you, you have to make, and it's not super clear, am I on the take all button? There's no press this button to take all. So you just press A and hope. I hope I'm pressing take all and not going through this one by one because I just want to take my shit and get out of here before this ant catches up and kills me while I'm trying to do this. Or a grasshopper that killed me originally comes back out of nowhere and kills me. It does have the whole at night things are more aggressive and scarier. They're, they're nocturnal versions of themselves. The nocturnal grasshopper, nocturnal ladybugs. The nocturnal lady ups, ladybugs look weird when they fly towards you, like they're splitting into it. It's, it's there's just a lot of part of it, uh, parts of it visually and, and whatnot that make it feel not ready for prime time. A little undercooked. It feels like an early access game in need of a few more months. To really iron out some of the the more egregious issues with it and and buggy natures of it. 
And it, it, it's hard because playing it after I played Enshrouded, which is in Early Access, Enshrouded as an Early Access title is just way more polished, way more fun to play. It It is more interesting than Small Line in every way outside of the theme, which in Enshrouded is just very basic fantasy. I... I that, that is the one part of intro where I was like, okay, you know, I'm, I'm kind of getting more and more interested as I play it and learn some stuff about this world, but the regular world, not the enshrouded areas, is kind of whatever. So that's the one thing Small Line has going for it, but when I have so much more fun playing something like Enshrouded, the, the theme's not going to win in this case. But it might be worth checking out at some point, but and you can't play it in first person. I, I found the the crafting as well, not the crafting, but the 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 building aspect of it because you can build structures, and you need to in some cases to to make certain things work. You can't sleep unless it's uh, in a structure. Yeah, and you when you another thing I don't like is that. When you build a campsite, you build a fire, and then you build things around it. I wish the fire made some kind of area of effect that scared off at least basic aggressive bugs like ants. But they will just come into your shit. They don't give a shit. So if you die and you respawn, there might be an ant that's just hanging out there, and then you respawn and it just wants to fucking fuck with you. And you're like, I, I want to go. Will you just leave me alone? All right? But the building mechanic is really finicky and clunky. It's, it's, one of, it's probably the worst part of the game mechanically. Yeah, it's just a game I, I wanted to like more than I ended up liking, sadly. That is, again, Small Land, Survive the Wilds. And Played Up is uh, Overcooked type game where you're taking orders and cooking delivering people their meals clean up the tables and all that stuff but a roguelike however there's not much point in talking about it. I find the game to be incredibly annoying and what I think it's going for in certain ways and in its silly way in that you just you press the A button to interact with things so you'll take a steak out of the fridge you put it on the, the burner to cook it and wait for it to cook to rare medium or well done take it off and then put it on a plate or if there's anything that needs fixing or cleaning or anything like that you hold I think the X button over them so if there's a puddle on the ground you just hold the x button over it you don't have to grab a mop or anything if there's some plates you need to wash in the sink hold x over it and you just do this kind of like animation when you're doing that but the game can be very particular about what you are looking at and and what it thinks you want to interact with in a way that I found incredibly frustrating, incredibly fast. 
And so I found playing the game to be super annoying and messes and shit like that were popping up immediately whenever I'd start a day for seemingly no reason. It just seemed like the game wants to fucking annoy you just to annoy you. And maybe it would be enjoyable with another person, but playing it by myself, I was just not having a good time at all. And and after one too many days of fucking this up or fucking that up because the thing I was trying to interact with didn't end up happening and had me interact with something else, I'm like, I, I, I didn't want to do that. I was looking this I was looking at this thing in the direction of it, but you had me fucking do with this instead. It, it just it just pissed me off. That is played up though. Next up though is Wrath and and of Ruin. This is one of those boomer shooters, classic first person shooters, this one using the Quake 1 engine. And I really like the level design. The levels are large and they're fun to explore. They look pretty good. I wish the lighting was a bit better. But it does a good job of creating a very muddy atmosphere. But... I found it from a gameplay standpoint and some of the ideas, some of the systems they put in place to make it far less enjoyable. One of the worst ideas the game decided to go with was this save system where instead of being able to save whenever you want, wherever you want, do a quick save and a quick load, you only save the game when you find these shrines which also fully heal you or by collecting these soul heads or whatever they are that you can drop anywhere and then load back to those points. But it's a it's a limited resource. You don't have infinite of them. And it, it makes the game... It, it, it makes the whole aspect of saving something you have to constantly think about in a way that takes away from being able to just enjoy the game, I find. But from a mechanical standpoint, I think the shooting feels pretty good, and there's a nice weight to all the weapons. The pistol's got a nice weight to it. The shotgun is satisfying. You have this machine gun-type weapon that uses... A that uses fangs for its bullets. But when maneuvering around the world, there will be times where, a lot of times, in, in order to get where you want to go, you'll utilize your dash ability to get somewhere. But you can only dash when you have your melee weapon equipped, which is what you get early on during the little opening tutorial slash story uh, that's telling you whatever it is. If, I don't fucking care about the story. But it's this blade that's attached to your arm that you can do a regular swipe attack with, with the regular 
attack, but the, the secondary attack, the alternate attack, is a dash with the blade, which you can use in combat, but you can also use to get around the environment and get over gaps that you wouldn't be able to normally jump over. And that feels pretty good, but since it's tied to that weapon and that weapon only, you can't you can't get into combat scenarios where you are dashing around to avoid bullets and that that disappointed me. It also makes it so that if you are doing a bit of platforming and enemies pop up and you want to engage with them but also continue dashing and going around and doing your thing, you, you would have to switch back and forth between your melee weapon and whatever gun you're using. There is a quick switch to your last two weapons, so that's kind of nice, but I just wish the dash was an inherent ability of yours and not tied to this specific weapon. Or that if they wanted to have some kind of compromise, when you use the dash ability, it would automatically switch you to the melee weapon and then you would have to switch back so that you could at least always dash when you press the that button or, or, or it would have to be a different button in that sense instead of the secondary attack because that would count for all the weapons but i found myself in many instances trying to dash while forgetting to change to my melee weapon because i i, I like movement in games so I wanted to dash way more. I, I, I didn't want to have to keep changing to that weapon just to dash when I would get out of a combat scenario and then have to do a bit of platforming and then I have to remember, okay, I need to go back to this melee weapon. But if I spawn in enemies, I'm going to have to quickly get out of it because the melee weapon as an actual weapon kind of sucks. But the combat is also a little dull in, in how it's just almost entirely, if not entirely, designed around spawning in enemies whenever you pick up uh, uh, an important object or something, uh, whether it's a certain power-up that they des designate as, okay, now this is the part where you pick this up, okay, enemies are going to spawn in. All right. It's just not super-duper exciting. I, I, I really love games like this, but this wasn't anywhere near as fun to play as a lot of them in a lot of ways it just kind of felt like a better design from a level standpoint but a less fun painkiller i enjoy playing painkiller so much more but the level design is 100 100 clearly better than painkiller not that they're they're compete with each other or anything but that was the game that was that came to mind because when i first got the blade i'm like oh man am i going to be able to shoot this blade out all painkiller like oh no i can just swipe people and it does whatever damage and, and the, the enemies too are kind of whatever they're, they're not super original very derivative of other games you've got a creature that's just a demon head that is similar to the demon head in doom but looks a little different and I do while I think the game looks good overall I, I wish there was a bit more color to it and like I said I wish the lighting was a bit more dynamic and, and that there was more 
pop to it. It looks good, but it's also very muddy. But that's Wrath. Ian of Rowan. And last up is Dead End City, which is a kind of horizontal, vertical, vertical scrolling shmup. I hate, I hate, I hate fucking the god. Vertical scrolling shmup, kind of, but also a little bit kind of Galaga-ish with a unique theme where instead of flying a ship and fighting other attacking enemies in the air, you are a car with weapons on it. Sort of Mad Maxi, I would say, would be the closest thing to think of. And taking on other vehicles in that way. So from a theming standpoint, it's unique. It, it, it immediately drew me in because I thought, okay, this is this is different for a shmup. I, I like this. This is cool. And then when it played like Galaga, where you would have enemies flying in from the sides and then creating some kind of grid at the top and then coming at you in waves, I thought, again, a little different. This is kind of cool. And each area is broken up into three different sections. The first being more Galaga-y, and then the second being more of a traditional shmup, and then you have your boss fight. And the, the way it works is that instead of having a certain number of hits you can take as health, your health is tied to your fuel. So if you take damage, you'll lose fuel and enemies will drop fuel as you kill them. So you have to balance that out. But it's just... It, it was... It was a mix... It was a mixed bag because... I like the Galaga sections. I do not like the shmup, the shmup sections. In part because they introduce regular humans who are annoying to deal with. They're tiny and they're, they're always shooting bullets at you and they can shoot from the side and they're just fucking... The the way those levels are structured make the... They, instead of having it be a very open area, there are a lot of more tight areas that make navigating the space a lot more frustrating. Though... It does at least if you, while it's scrolling and you're at a wall and you don't get to one of the sides, it just kind of pushes you over. At least that's what it's done in my experience. So that's appreciated. But I didn't like those sections. And then the boss fights are fine. It's just, it's okay, but nothing super special. But it's not a, a an expensive game. I'm assuming it's $5 probably. So it's worth checking off if you're a fan of Shmups or Galaga and want to play one that's got a different setting than you would expect. But it's, it's just, it's, it's alright. It's alright. Decent challenge. But you know. It's okay. It's okay. But that is, again, Dead End City, and that will do it for this here episode of the Pixelated Sausage Show. I hope you all enjoyed it. I hope this, this thing worked out. I don't know, because I can't, I can't see what I'm looking at you, so I don't know if it looked bad or whatever. Well, you, you can tell me. 
But that uh, is it. So, of course, uh, as always, I am your host, Marcus Nez. Y'all can find me pretty much everywhere at PX Sausage. If you enjoyed this here show or any of the stuff I do and what have you, get excited or, 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 or stay tuned for first stream updates when that'll start. It might start sometime this week. Or I mean, there, there are not many days left. It may start Friday as of Friday Hey, let's get this show on the road. But, uh, yeah, stay tuned for that. But if if you enjoy this here show or any of the stuff I do and what have you, you can support me and my nonsense over at patreon.com slash PXS. In addition to the Patreon, you can find links to the site, the Discord, the YouTube, and so much more over at PXSausage.com. That is it. That is all. As always, thank you for watching or listening. I Hope you enjoyed this here episode, and I hope you have both a wonderful rest of your day, a lovely rest of your week, and a wonderful weekend. But for now, adios, arrivederci, bye! Go, Daddy.